Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McKusick. We're back here for part two of the review of the defense against the Rams from Sunday. Just having the pleasure to watch between episodes the end of this incredible Titans-Dolphins game. Uh, got me in a good mood, I'll tell you that, because the Ravens' paths to the playoffs have definitely opened up further in terms of the possibility of, of getting the number one seed with as few as two wins the rest of the way. Anyway, we'll have a discussion about that uh, as we go through or at the end at least. Uh, and uh, just really nice to see Miami lose a football game anyway. They looked very mortal against Tennessee at home in this game. That's the first really bad team uh, that they lost to. But anyway, we're here to talk about the about the Ravens defense a little bit. We're going to talk about some of the individual players uh, in this game and some of their uh, uh, contributions and and uh, what went on. Obviously, some some players having some tough games. We'll talk about that too. We won't be afraid to to um, talk about all of the results, good and bad. And uh, anyway, just in a real happy mood right now. Uh, well, anyway, let's go ahead and jump right into it in terms of the individual uh, player results in this game. Uh, and I'll go right from the top. We'll start talking about the defensive line. Uh, Travis Jones, uh, a guy who has play has been improving throughout the whole season, I think. Um, definitely has made big contributions this year. He's done, done it primarily from that one tech spot, taking over snaps. When Pierce is out of there, they're almost never in the game together. Let me see if they played a single snap together in this particular game. I do not believe that they did. So effectively he's acting as a backup nose tackle hundred percent of the time. And that is the case in this game. They were never on the field together. Something I'd still like to see uh, between the two is, is moving him over to three tech. Unfortunately, if Matabike isn't here next year, it's probably something we, we might see because I think they probably will try and re-sign Pierce uh, and, uh, and play him next to Jones at, uh, at, some for some snaps next year because Jones looks like he has some ability to penetrate and whatnot. Uh, but he, anyway, he he looked good in this game. Thought he played reasonably well against the run. But uh, you know, a 
providing some pass rush juice. Both of his pressures he had were late uh, in terms of one quarterback hit and one sack in this game. Uh, but nice to see him get back on the board of the sack. I think he had either half a sack or a full sack early in the season. But uh, this was a, a you know another nice contribution, another game of contributions from him. So um, positive player, bright future. Uh, one of the guys the Ravens have signed for 2024. So as with all of the young players, they really need them to keep coming through because those are the guys they have for for several years yet. So Travis Jones, uh, we're looking forward to seeing more from him. Justin Matabike continues just an outstanding season. Uh, I have a, a recap of all his plays uh, in the star treatment uh, article, so I'll let you go there to kind of review that. Most of his uh, contributions in this game were as a pass rusher. He didn't do too much as a run defender in this particular game. Uh, the, he had a, a one late sack. In fact, it was an ATS sack where he worked off a pressure from Owe to clean up for that sack minus eight. I uh, mentioned in the first show that gave him a, a game at least half a sack in 10 consecutive games, which ties him for the sixth longest streak in NFL history. Um, Travis Jones, sorry, Chris Jones is the only other guy uh, who's an interior defensive lineman who's in that elite group of 11 guys who have a sack, a half sack in 10 or more consecutive games. So Justin Matabike uh, certainly looks like he's going to get paid at the end of the season. Um, he had a bunch of QHs in this game as well, four others. So five total QHs and sacks, generally speaking, not at 100% of cases, are a subset of quarterback hits. You can get a sack where you dislodge the football and don't take the quarterback to the ground, in which case it's not a quarterback hit, but most of them are. Um, for the most part, they are a subset. Uh, what else do I want to say? He lost another sack, another pressure to a to a penalty um, by the, the that ticky tack DPI that was on Humphrey. He had a nice pressure on that play, um, so that was lost. But uh, it was still, it was a it was a pressure at the time he got it. So in a lot of cases, calling that a pressure is, is a very reasonable thing. Um, several of the notes I have, and you'll notice this in the article, are plays where he was blocked effectively on a run play. One of the things I've been suggesting for a while is Matabike could probably be a more effective pass rusher if he were off the field on rundowns a little more, played a few less snaps. That would be another means by which either get Broderick Washington or uh, Travis Jones in for some three-tech snaps to replace him on early downs. And he's a very valuable player to have on the field, so you never really want to have him off until you realize that you might be losing something in terms of effectiveness on a per-snap basis by having him on for all those plays. I, I, you know, As a penetrator, he doesn't do as much for the Ravens' run defense, which is very much based on denying space at the line of scrimmage, which Pierce and Urban do very well, um, and creating opportunities for the linebackers to get in and make plays. Uh, Matabike is more of a penetrator himself, a little bit undersized, and so he doesn't hold up as well to uh, combination blocks at the line of scrimmage uh, where they they start with a, a, a combo or duo or two-man block, um, and then one guy climbs off that. He's not the he's not your ideal player to, to hold up to those. And so I'd like to see the Ravens find a way to get him replaced for a few more early down snaps. And right now, Matabike has played – what percentage of snaps for the entire year? Because I know I've been bothered by it, um, but he has played 66.3% of snaps. It's almost two-thirds, and that's that's really too much for a defensive lineman. The Ravens' top defensive linemen have usually been in the 50s on a year-in, year-out basis, particularly more in more recent years. Uh, they've also had more specialists and whatnot that you, know, you have more division between run and, and pass guys, more of a desire to get your kicked in outside linebackers on the field. But this team, because it's short on outside linebackers, needs to be particularly careful about how much they play their defensive linemen. And right now, if I just add up the percentage of snaps played by all the defensive linemen, I get two point, well, 217.5%, which means the average defensive lineman has played about 43.5% of the snaps. And in my opinion, that is too much. It's only been five guys, by the way, that have taken any defensive snaps for the year this year. So, you know, the contrarian would say, these guys are all still healthy. Why are you being such a hard ass about playing them less snaps? And and my reasoning is that, um, you know, there are players on this team, Matabike, I think, is one of them. Pierce might be another who could be more effective on a per snap basis if they were used a little bit less frequency frequently. 
Pierce also 57.6% of the snaps by the year. He's been terrific, been absolutely outstanding, but uh, but maybe he'd be even better if he played a little bit less. So uh, um, anyway, uh, that's my, my beef with those guys. And it's also a reason why the Ravens carrying an extra roster spot like right now in the season, and I think that's going to go away with the activation of Pepe Williams this week, but they might want to consider adding another defensive lineman while there are still a couple of guys out there who might actually be able to help them. Maybe guys who can play 20% of the snaps and take some of that load off the, off the big two for this team. So uh, uh, anyway, uh, just something to consider as we, as we move down the stretch. So who else do we want to talk about? Let's talk about Brent Urban, who had a really terrific game in this year. Talked about a little bit on the first show, but the Ravens used that uncovered look where they use just one outside linebacker and have their five tech effectively holding down the edge on the other side. So normally in your base 3-4 defense, you have outside linebacker on either side flanking three um, uh, down linemen in your base package and two linebackers behind them in a four-man secondary. Well, this uncovered look is a way to get a five-man secondary on the field, and instead of sacrificing the inside linebacker to do it, which would be what I would call jumbo nickel, they sacrifice a um, outside linebacker to do it, which makes it an uncovered nickel. The Ravens did that 17 times in this game, and I, as I mentioned in the packages show, it didn't really work out in terms of yards per play all that well. Small sample size, so we, we don't know everything just yet. But the Rams didn't try and run into the base at all. So if if the Rams are going to pass into base, you have to present them with a look that will force them to make a choice that is more difficult for them. So by putting the extra defensive back on the field and the uncovered look, they got back to what is what has been more of the regular choice that they're providing opposing offensive coordinators for most of the year and opposing quarterbacks, for that matter, who may change the play at the line of scrimmage, is um, a willingness to basically signal that you can try the run against us, which the base package says, I, you know, you're not going to run on me. I'm uh, the uncovered nickel is much more of a, go ahead and try your luck with the run if you want to. Um, Cause you have five defensive backs on the field. So I think that, that, that you know, there, there it's, it's an intermediate package there. And with the Rams not running against the base, I think it was a, a good choice to bring out. I thought urban himself played quite well in this game, um, which was nice to say. So, Brent Urban, another good game. And uh, as a friend of the show, we really appreciate uh, him having a good game, being able to talk about that once in a while. Uh, let's see, who else do we want to talk about? Michael Pierce had a fairly quiet game, um, personally. Uh, you know, he's, he's certainly not playing badly by any stretch, but he didn't make a pass rush contribution in this game to speak of. Uh, he was uh, there for some of the run activity. And, and you know, unfortunately, he's on the blocked notes for some of the run activity. Um, and you know, just not an ideal game for him in terms of, of standing out the way he has for most of the season. By the way, for the season this year, the Ravens ha- have averaged giving up only 4.1 yards per play with Michael Pierce in the game and 4.8 yards per play without Michael Pierce in the game. It is one of the very big differences on the entire team in terms of you know when in, when, when not in, trying to see if there's even one other guy OA is 4.1 and 4.6, so he's he's been uh, quite good too. Darby is 3.8 and 4.8 when you go down the the list here, so that's a big one. Um, let's see if Hamilton, what's he doing? Here's a good one. Warley, 3.2 and 4.6, so not a whole ton of snaps played, but you know that's 109 plays to uh, to be there in there for only 3.2 uh, yards per play when he was in there. Try to see what Hamilton was here. Yeah, Hamilton has been 4.3 yards in and 6.1 yards per play on a very small sample size of plays when he hasn't been in there. Um, so anyway, that's uh, a lot of those were in this game um, in, in particular. So uh, anyway, Pierce, one of the really good years in terms of that differential between when he's in and 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 when he's not in. Uh, Broderick Washington saw some playing time in this game. Uh, nothing particularly effective, frankly, for him. Uh, it's been a lot of people are, are, you know, really tagging Broderick with having a disappointing year. I certainly hope he can do more for the Ravens in 2024 because the Ravens have, you know, looked at their 2024 roster and I think they made an offer to both of Washington and Matabike. And they, you know, obviously they wanted to, get a bargain 
on either one after three seasons, hope they could re-sign one, tack on three more years to the contract, and uh, you know, get a get a division of benefit, something that recognizes the fact that the player has less risk on the table um, if he is signed for three more years. And unfortunately, Matabike is not the one who bit. Washington did, and, and Matabike is having an all-pro year, and Washington is, is not having a great year at all. So um, anyway, that's been a little unfortunate, but hopefully Broderick will turn it around. He's going to be a much more important player to the Ravens, I think, next year. Uh, but I think still defensive line is one of the positions where the Ravens will be looking to, to use a draft pick um, in that 2024 draft. Let's move on and, and take a look at the inside linebacker group for a second. Patrick Queen, I thought, played a fine game. Um, generally avoided um, mistakes in this game for the most part. I think he did have one missed tackle, if I recall correctly. Um, so he wasn't perfect or anything, but, he, but he's had bigger problems with missed tackles as the um, uh, season has been going on. I'm trying to look for his missed tackle number here. Yeah, Patrick Green had one missed tackle in this in this game. So uh, also had three defensive wins among his tackles. Uh, so that was good. Um, he still looks good knifing in. Honestly, he was blocked on a lot of the run plays early in this game. Uh, we know that one of Patrick's problems has been shedding blocks. Um, he's while he's done better in coverage this year, he certainly hasn't been perfect. Um, and, uh, you know, the missed tackles have, have kind of piled up in the last few weeks. If you look at PFF's missed tackles, and every system is a little bit different, but PFF, it really shows out in bold relief that he had only three missed tackles the first six weeks of the season, and then he's had 12 missed tackles in the last seven games. So his missed tackles have gone through the roof. Now his his missed tackle rate for the whole year is up to 13.3%, which is too high for a linebacker. That would be... Um, you know, not not a good number for a linebacker. It would, it would not be a good number for a safety either, and they have higher missed tackle rates. But uh, uh, if Queen is, you know, going to be a good tackler at the NFL level, he's got to do better than that. I still believe it's a little bit below his career missed tackle rate. Yep, his career missed tackle rate is 15.8%. So uh, this is actually his best season as a tackler, despite it still not being uh, being outstanding. So the Ravens will have a tough decision to make at the end of this year. Queen does a lot of nice things for them. Um, I don't think he's going to be signable, uh, in particular the tweet we saw recently where he didn't think four years at $67 million was a reasonable number. I don't see how the Ravens would see fit to pay that kind of money. I, I, don't, I don't think they would do it even if he was their one guy they were signing, but having Roquan signed, um, it really does make sense. So I know we've talked about this before on the show, but I'll lay it out there. When you have a weak side linebacker role, you can split up and platoon to go next to your one guy at the mic, who is obviously Roquan. Um, you you have an opportunity to save a lot of money. Uh, you can save money in cap. You can also create three or two or three specialists. You know, you have a dime back. You maybe have a passing down back. The Ravens used to have two guys they played on early downs. They had at one point it was Jamil McLean who would play a lot of first downs, and Dan Danelle Ellerby would come in and play second and medium or long, and then they'd bring in a dime back on third down. Um, uh, some of that same stuff happened when they had Patrick Owasso uh, to go with Kenny Young and um, and Anthony Levine, say in 2018. So they've they've had guys who who have each had subspecialties within that weak side linebacker role. Trenton Simpson, we don't know what kind of player he's going to be next year. Maybe he's a maybe he's a pass coverage guy because of his safety background, and maybe he's a guy who comes in and is a hard-hitting tackler and pass rusher more uh, in the run-and-chase um, mold of Patrick Queen that we're going to enjoy seeing him develop that way. Um, but whatever his whatever he is, he's probably going to have some weaknesses at inside linebacker just because he's young and new to the NFL. And I don't think we've seen enough out of him in the preseason or in the very limited number of snaps he's played during the regular season to say, yeah, this guy's going to be great. I think that, you know, the, the, what they loved about him was what he did in college. And he stands a chance to be great. But to put him in the position to do that, I hope they'll do it by splitting up his snaps and at least initially having him play the snaps where he can be the most effective and then gradually grow into a larger role as he earns it in terms of uh, learning what's happening behind him in coverage. You know, maybe as a safety, he's got that as a portable skill set. If he does, 
boy, would that be fantastic to have that out of a young linebacker. Um, you know, I, I think one of the things we really saw was that he could rush the passer very effectively. And hopefully that's something they can bring him in to do pretty quickly. Uh, one of the things I don't think we'll see, and I, I know this has been talked about with Trenton Simpson, is him going to the edge and being a guy who would who would uh, be in there on third down. I think you know he's he's an extra off ball um, pass blocking asset. You can move him up into the a gap and use simulated pressure and have him or Roquan rush from that look as they have done with Queen um, this year. So I think you have options on on how you can line him up, but I don't really see him being a uh, a true edge rusher. Uh, again. He, any, any side linebacker always can line up on the edge of the line of scrimmage as kind of a second edge and get a run at the quarterback that way. No problem with that kind of look, but I think that that uh, Trenton Simpson will never be quite big enough to be your prototype edge rusher who has to beat a tackle uh, on the outside. So anyway, I, I expect we'll see him in a more traditional off-ball role. Roquan Smith, enormous game this week. Uh, so many things he did well. Um, he he did some things wrong as well, and he was getting blocked a lot early in the game in the run. So I don't want to pretend like it was all good, but I think I've got a very fair set of up and down notes for him. I know uh, when Maureen and I were were taking the notes, and then when we're you know resetting them into the into the uh, the framework of the article in the star treatment section, uh, he had a lot, and he uh, he made plays on the in the passing game. He made he gave, got good pressure. He made some plays in the run game. Had some valuable stops on defense um they made nice some a couple nice downhill tackles on pass plays so uh, he had a smattering of of things that he did uh well didn't have a great coverage game um but uh but he did some other things well in this game and and uh, uh roquan's been a a terrific defender for the entire year and if you look at at just the player he's become here in Baltimore, I did not expect it at the time of that trade is all I can say. So he's a much greater player coming into the structure and coaching of the Baltimore system and bringing his own brand of leadership and um, follow me that he just naturally has. There's some people that just, they walk into the room, they're automatically the leader and and he's one of them. And uh, it's really good to, uh, uh, to see that. All right, let's move on here and talk about the outside linebackers in this game. Not a great game from the outside linebackers. Uh, Jadavian Clowney, uh, not much in the way of pressure in this game. Uh, he did get a nice bubble on a run right that ended up being tracked down, uh, which was a good play. Um, didn't, did not do much in pressure. He's been very consistent with pressure. Uh, again, the footing on this field, not conducive to uh pressure it was conducive to motor obviously the the stafford was in the pocket for quite a long time stafford normally gets rid of the ball pretty quickly but he's up at 2.85 seconds in this game which is a fairly high time to throw for him so that's indicative of of taking longer with the football and because he's not particularly mobile he doesn't have the the luxury that lamar has to hold on to the football for five six seven seconds on some plays before he gets rid of it. Stafford has that internal clock that really makes him throw the ball away and truncates some of those outliers. So he'll never end up with a, with a three and a half seconds um, to throw for, for an entire like 35 or 40 pass effort for a game. It just, it, 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 it's almost impossible given, you know, how his internal clock, uh, you know, is forcing him to throw the football. So anyway, this was a game where, where uh, a lot of the cleanup that the Ravens have done uh, well uh, didn't show up quite as well. They did get two cleanup sacks on ample time and space, but they uh, uh, a lot of that uh, compound pressure didn't really work. And what's more, a lot of the deception they normally use to get compound pressure, if you want to go back and listen to that first effort, I talked about it in the pass rush group, really was was ineffective. Both their stunts were ineffective, um, their blitzes were ineffective, their off-ball blitzes, and they were ineffective in terms of when they compounded groups with simulated pressure as well. Um, they did have a few simulated pressure looks, which worked, but but generally, whenever they tried multiple elements of deception on the same play, it generally did not work. Um, and the uh, uh, the Rams were up around uh, ten yards per play on all three of those elements, whether it was any kind of compound pressure, stunts, of, um, or off ball blitzes. So uh, definitely something where where Stafford pretty much decoded what the Ravens were doing, and uh, uh, Clowney was one of the players who who didn't really contribute much pressure wise. Talked about a little bit on the first show, but the Ravens really missed uh, Harrison in this game. He's a guy who eats some early down snaps, 
uh, in base defense. And they played a little bit of base in this game, about eight snaps. Basically, when they when they played that base, um, Stafford decided he was going to pass the football. And Van Noy was on for a lot of that base with Robinson. Um, what they really like to do is have Harrison and Robinson on the field, which eats some early down snaps. And in a longer game like this, and they had 72 offensive snaps in this game, that really puts the um, your pass rushers, gives them a better chance to stay fresh later in the game. They have to play shorter stretches of consecutive plays, and they're often breaking up a, a, you know, a series of plays with a rest down uh, where they get to go to the sideline for, for one playoff and two um, where they, the other team might run the ball on first down. The Ravens you know, take advantage of having good run defenders like Harrison and, uh, and Robinson on the field who, in truth, they may not be any better than, than certainly Owe or Clowney in terms of the run defense or Van Noy even, um, but they're guys who, can, who are giving those guys rest and they're eating some of the snap count. Um, on those plays. And I think it, particularly against a team like the Rams that likes to run the football, you need a good discipline on the edge to go with um, uh, you know, good play uh, up the middle. And I think that the Ravens fell short in a few different ways in this game. They weren't perfect on the edge. Um, they had a lot of problems with good schemed interior blocking in this game, getting Kyron Williams free for extra yardage. Some of that was on the inside linebackers. Obviously, some of it was on the outside linebackers letting plays get to the edge. And um, the variety of things the Rams did just ended up being fairly effective running the football at 4.3 yards per carry. Um, and, I, you know, it, it was a day where passing was more effective, but the running, um, it, you know, it was, was still pretty effective. And, and Kyron Williams, they, they didn't have an obvious answer for him in this football game. Let's see. Uh, let's talk about Adafi Owe a little bit. Uh, he had a late pressure that led to the sack. I believe it was by Jones. Now let me just confirm that he's the one who got that. Uh, let's find that sack. No, it wasn't the sack by Jones. It was the sack by Matabike. Um, uh, no, it wasn't that either. It was a, It had to be a quarterback hit that I'm thinking of here that this happened on. And what do you know? I can't find it right now, so I'm going to look stupid, and that's the way it's going to work. But uh, um, anyway, Owe uh, uh, had a pressure contribution or two that he made in this game, but it wasn't his best game either. Um, the Ravens need more out of Adafi Owe. They, they need to get a lot of pressures down the stretch against some good quarterbacks, and they need to get fast pressures. As I said in the first episode, I'm going to repeat this one time in this episode too. This was a game where conditions were ideal for passing the football. Why was that true? It was true because when the field is slick, those pass rushers have a harder time getting off, and they're the ones who have to beat an offensive lineman, so it's easier for them if they can make that very hard first step, those very hard cut steps in order to um, uh, get to the quarterback. On the other hand, receivers had a field day because of the wet conditions. First of all, pressure was taking longer to get home. So the, that means more often are the receivers able to get to the top of the stem and make their move on a defensive back. Well, the moves in this game, because that offensive player knows where he's going and the defensive player doesn't, often result in the defensive player overcommitting to the wiggle that he's thrown by that receiver. And that led to some great double moves in this game. There are probably other great routes run as well. I haven't studied that as closely, but, the, but the, there were some fantastic double moves in this game to get free. Um, the Rams also had some coverage breaks down, for example, on the left side of the field three times, likely once open and and uh, uh, twice to Beckham where they uh, had had long balls down that that side of the field. But uh, but they also had some double moves that contributed to that. And real nice to uh, uh, you know, see that work out for the offense. But on defense, they had to try and stop it. So the point I want to make out of this is I don't I would not project forward that the Ravens defense is somehow now cooked against good passing quarterbacks, which they will face for the remainder of the season, with the exception of the Pittsburgh game. I think what I think you look at this as an isolated incident. They gave up six point six yards per pass play. By the way, giving up six point six yards per pass play like that, that, that like that's a disaster. There's, there's Ten teams in the National Football League who would love to give up 6.6 yards per pass play. But the Ravens don't happen to be one of them since they, they're giving up this historic 4.2 pass yards per pass play coming in. So obviously they're unhappy with, with that situation. But I also don't think it really projects out to be a problem for the Ravens 
uh, as the season continues. And I think they'll uh, get back to better results under more normal weather conditions that that are that are more um, you know uh, levelized in terms of uh, favoring the the offense and the defense going forward. Uh, don't really have much to say about Tavius Robinson. Again, he, he was in there primarily on, on um, to face the run. Only played 16 snaps the whole game. I, I will say this about Robinson's rookie year in general, though, that he's put himself in a good position. He hasn't. Has he been outstanding in any one area? No. Has he been okay in in several areas? Yeah, I think he has. And I think you know the normal growth we see out of players is very good. And it's really nice to see a guy get 30% of the snaps in his rookie year. And he's right around that. Um, and that amount of live fire will really benefit him going forward. He did get a lot of it very early on when the Ravens had a lot of outside linebackers missing before they picked up Van Noy um, uh, to, uh, to take off, uh, you know, take a heavy snap share load. But uh, Robinson is a guy that I think is, is going to benefit from having that playing time in year one. And uh, I'd look forward to him to be one of the, one of the players to, um, move to another level, not necessarily into a, a real star level next year, but move into a level where he's contributing even more. Uh, maybe he'll be a player who can kick in and rush the passer on uh, on some passing downs as part of multiple OLB packages, and, and we'll see a little bit more for him as a pass rusher in 2024. Kyle Van Noy had a big game uh, individually, so I didn't want to talk about him a little bit. Now, he had three plays. He had a he had a, a, a nice pressure, a pass defensed on a ball that went incomplete to Nakua. I talked about that a little bit earlier um, uh, in terms of what exactly happened. And and uh, uh, the announcers were on Nakua for dropping the ball and looking upfield and yada, yada. But uh, Van Noy actually changed the rotation on that ball um, with, the, with the tip on it, which is what led to the incomplete pass. So that was nice. Big play. Huge play with the eight-yard um, drop uh, on the uh, on the swing pass to the right. Um, that uh, was just a great Van Noy anticipating the uh, uh, the pass going out there, being in position to 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 take down the back there. And I'm trying to think of when that was. That was towards the end of it was in the late in the third quarter, um, and the Ravens got the ball back uh, uh, at that point. Obviously, that ended that drive. So. Um, he had, I think, two drive-ending plays that he contributed um, to during the game. So nice, nice day for uh, for Van Noy in terms of his contributions. In the secondary, we'll kind of talk through some of these guys fairly quickly. We did not see Ronald Darby on the field. Now, that's a little bit of a surprise. Um, thought maybe they'd play him a little bit with Humphrey, but for whatever reason, they saw fit to sit him down, play Humphrey every snap, and um, hey, Humphrey's ready to go. He's certainly had a lot of time off this year. Uh, you want to get them out of there as much. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. 
everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real Traveler Reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. as you can uh the ravens were um better uh with humphrey on the field than they were with him off the field um but uh still that's uh you know a little bit unusual that that um uh, i'm sorry that's that is uh, not actually true the ravens because humphrey played every snap the ravens were equivalent with humphrey on the field as they were with him not on the field so anyway uh he, he uh uh you know is a is a player the ravens are going to want to have on the field obviously but they've got to figure out if they want to do some rotation in the defensive backfield to get darby on the field a little bit he's been good i guess he, he probably can stay sharp enough from just his practice maybe a little bit of play at the end of games but there'd be i think a pretty damn good chance that they might have to turn to him at some point the rest of the, the season and we do have a mailbag question about that that I'll wait a, a couple of minutes to answer here. Kyle Hamilton, big game. Uh, mentioned the first show, 4.1 yards per play with Kyle Hamilton in the game, 7.7 yards per play without Kyle Hamilton in the game. Um, that's an enormous difference. And obviously one where um, probably accentuated a little bit by, by some misfortune or some good luck in terms of when Hamilton was in there. But Hamilton was exceptional. And Mollette uh, did not have a great game this. And that's basically the two players who were exchanging time in this game. If you add up their two snaps, they get 69 of 72 snaps that they were on the fields. So there were three other snaps where Mollette was off and they were in a base package after Hamilton was um, injured. So uh, really tough to see him on the field. Good news today that, that he's likely to be back at some point this season. Uh, Harbaugh says day to day. The joke is, of course, that means four weeks. Hopefully, uh, he'll be back in time for that Miami game, which you know, despite the fact that Miami has lost tonight, the Ravens are still going to need to win that game. So they, they, if they want to be sure they, they win the home field for a lot of reasons, for one of them being that that's one of their better chances to win a game because it's at home, um, they really need to are, are going to need to win that game to uh, uh, have a high probability of getting that number one seed. I guess it's time to say right now that I don't see any point in being scared of the number one seed. The Ravens have been the number one seed exactly one time in 2019. It did not work out for them. We all know what happened. It's the first or second most disappointing loss in Ravens history following the 2006 game where they had a bye, but not the number one seed. And they faced the Colts at home in that second round. Obviously, if they'd had the number one seed, they wouldn't have faced the Colts. They would have faced the Jets instead. And that would have been a nice, uh, you know, a, a better matchup. But they ended up facing the Colts, and um, uh, that was a, a very frustrating day, uh, filled with profanity, much like the, the like the Titans game was. But I don't think either is really a reason to be afraid of that number one seed. The reason to be to want the number one to seed is to look at what Kansas City has done with it. You know, Pat Mahomes has never played a road playoff game. I am particularly tired of the. AFC's number one seed, S-E-E-D, being seeded to them, C-E-D-E-D, uh, year after year. We need we need to find a way 
um, to pry that game out of Arrowhead. So there's at least a reasonable chance of of winning it and have somebody other than the Chiefs, uh, uh, you know, playing there. So, you know, the Ravens are, the, are, are as deserving as any team. As fans, as season ticket holders, we deserve to have an AFC championship game at home. We last had one in 1970. I mean, that's 50 years ago, 53 years ago now. Um, you know, that's too long to wait for a, for a conference championship game. So uh, it's time. And this is this is a year where you know the, one of the things you do, you have a, a week off. Should you be feared about that? Well, maybe you should think about what that means and try and and try and practice for it and try and shake off the rust and try and be more careful about it. But look also around the AFC right now and all the injuries and how they've impacted every single race. And tell me, you wouldn't like to have one or even two weeks off between you know week eighteen, hopefully playing for nothing, and week nineteen. In that, well, everybody else is playing in the wild card week, taking a week off and getting prepared for a home playoff game um, in the divisional round and being the only team that has that privilege and how that increased health can improve your chances to win. Ravens entered this game against the Rams, the much healthier team, and it was one of the things that helped them get through it despite that injury to Hamilton uh, was that they were largely healthy across the board. Uh, one of the key players... Justin Matabike. I don't know if he'd have played. The Ravens had, had had not had this bye week in there. I'm not sure he'd have played. He had five quarterback hits in a sack. Was that significant? Yeah. It's it's pretty damn significant this time to have a week, the time of year to have a week off for all those little minor injuries that will will add up. If you want to throw in who might be the real beneficiary of extra rest right now, might be Kyle Hamilton. We don't know how quickly he's going to be back, but it could very well be that his first game back is a playoff game. Uh, and if that's the case, having that extra week off would be a big deal for him. Uh, so anyway, it, 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 so many ways that can help you. It's it's I think it's a it's myopic to look at the way things have worked out in the past and say that one of one times it did not work out or that even two out of two times. If you want to toss in the 2006 game, it didn't work out. Of course, if you want to toss in the 2006 game, you also got to toss in the fact that they beat the the Texans in the 2011 game with a bye and then went on and almost went to the Super Bowl against the Patriots um, with a favorable uh, matchup in that, in that divisional round. And then the, and then rolling into uh, uh, losing an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl only on the uh, Evans and Cundiff plays. So, uh, you know, it's, you take your chances when you can get them. I think the number one seed is something the Ravens, you know, obviously should want to get, no matter what uh, uh, some people will will tell you about that. Um, Arthur Mollett, tough game in this one. Uh, he was out there. The actually the the um, Rams averaged nine yards per pass play when Mollett was on the field. Twenty one pass plays, one hundred eighty nine yards, so nine point zero. Um, so that did that did not work out very well for the Ravens. And they have to think about now what are they going to do at this at that slot corner position uh, going forward. Mallette has given them some some solid play, I would say some up and down play, certainly some good pass rushing that's that's had real impact for the team. Uh, he's done some good things as a downhill player, uh, been a pretty good run defender, um, but he hasn't been the greatest coverage guy, and that's uh, uh, something the Ravens going to have to decide what they want to do uh, in terms of uh, multiple things. Um, so so Pepe Williams is one of the options. Um, another one we'll talk about later during the mailbag. I want to, I want to wait on that. Um, all right. Brandon Stevens, uh, gave up another touchdown in this game. Um, that's unfortunate. Uh, he's, he, he continues to be the Ravens, uh, best corner and, uh, in there on every play. It looked like he was, um, playing some left corner and some right corner in this game. Uh, so I'm not sure exactly what the, what the, um, what they were trying to accomplish, whether they're matching him up on a particular receiver or what the uh, deal was. They might've been traveling in this game. Um, one guy who did not have a particularly good game was Geno Stone. Now, Stone has been a little bit of a feast or famine player on the season. Obviously, we all know he's got six picks, but he's also had a season of some not great tackling. He did make a couple decent plays in this game, so I don't want to say like like he didn't have any any tackles at all or any any good plays. He certainly had a couple of nice downhill plays. But again, he missed some tackles in this one. Three more, according to PFF, to go with seven tackles made. On the season, he's missed uh, just under 20% of his tackles, which is uh, far too high. 
and it's, it's certainly not an exceptional, uh, um, uh, acceptable number. And, you know, it's part of the definition at, at safety. I think it's one of the things that other teams will look for in trying to ascribe value to Geno Stone is, is he really going to hurt us as a tackler? We know he's a great back-end coverage safety. He's, he's been fantastic this year. And he can do a lot for us in terms of finding the football, being the back end of a zone defense. He's proved extremely adept at that. But he's going to have to improve his tackling. And it's been – it had started off the year exceptionally strong, and, and it's been um, quite weak. I, I had made the comment that in the month of October, he probably cost himself the defensive player of the, of the month, despite having four interceptions, because he also had, I think, seven missed tackles that month. So that's going to be something that's going to hurt you relative to other linebackers. I forget who who won it. Might have been Quincy Williams of the Jets or somebody. It was it was some off ball linebacker who who won the award who had two interceptions, uh, but he had a pretty good tackling month as well. So it, uh, it would not surprise me if that's what the voters didn't like about uh, about Gino in in terms of that. So. Uh, uh, anyway, Gino uh, uh, certainly has provided the Ravens a lot here. Uh, we certainly hope uh, that either he can go make a lot of money, or maybe the Ravens could, you know, could sign him back at a reasonable price. And I think that's something that um, the price may have moderated. The price of Matabike is certainly going way up, but the price of Gino Stone may be coming down at this point. Um, Gino does provide McDonald the way to operate his defense the way he has this year. So if you have Marcus Williams and Geno Smith on the back end, you can have Kyle Hamilton move him up to slot corner and otherwise play voracious underneath defense and also rotate coverages a lot of different ways because both Hamilton and Stone are able, sorry, both Williams and Stone are able to do that um, and allow you to do different different things with your with your other defensive backs on plays and, and confuse quarterbacks that way. Uh, they've been very effective at that. And the cost of doing so, the price of playing poker there has been pretty low in terms of the additional yards per carry on runs that they've given up to do it. So I think it's 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 one of the things why McDonald is labeled a genius is that he's made such a good trade off um, in that regard. And, you know, it's not terribly unreasonable that the Ravens might if you know, could try and get Geno back. Uh, I think particularly if if Matabike and Queen both end up walking, I think Queen will. I think it's likely Matabike will it well because I think he might have priced himself out of town. Um, but uh, but in the case of Stone, maybe there's a price. Maybe there's a, a reasonable value they can get him back for. I think that'll give him the freedom to move Kyle Hamilton uh, uh, and could keep him at slot corner instead of him moving him back to the back end. So that's something that uh, you know you get as a benefit from that. Marcus Williams looked a little tentative on one tackle in particular where he was kind of hurting again. And um, we've seen him do a better job of wrapping up. I think the the last game against the Chargers and maybe even the previous game before that as well. Um, that's something obviously for him to be on the field that's that's got to be present. He looked pretty good, I thought, in coverage this, this game and in particular the play on the sideline where he got up high to deflect the ball. It was going to be incomplete and out of bounds, but that Atwell – um, uh, was over there, and he actually knocked Atwell out of the game with a concussion uh, with the hit on that play. So, you know, you want you want to out-physical the other team. You want to – generally, the more physical team takes fewer injuries. Uh, and so that's a that's a, something you got to look for. And, and Marcus Williams, when he did that, uh, definitely a positive thing. Uh, Worley, a guy, you know, played one snap in this game. I just want to point out that he's a guy who may or may not be back next year. But what I would expect him to do with Worley is bring him to camp and probably give him a small amount of guaranteed money in a vet men contract. Um, then he provides fungibility of the roster in terms of having a guy you can make a handshake deal with uh, that will be cut for sure on cut down day, be back for that opener or in the first couple of weeks. And also provides you some ability to have a low cost cut on your team if there's another guy you want to keep. If there's another safety they have, maybe an undrafted guy, maybe another guy they do draft this year that they have the choice of of, uh, of dropping to the practice squad or um, uh, keeping on the 53. And it might not even be a safety. It might be at another position entirely, uh, but a guy who could make a contribution like Worley did on, on special teams. But the Ravens next year, I would project they will have much more use for the safeties that they have between the combination of wanting Hamilton to stay up at slot corner and wanting to have a guy who can play dime on that weak side. 
Um, so you really are, there's going to be times when you need to have four safeties in the game at the same time, if they go to exactly what I'm suggesting here. And in order to do that, you probably need to have five active on game day. So your safeties end up making up a larger portion of your special teams. And if that's the case, then I think Worley's job is fairly secure. He's, he's looked very good this year in terms of how he's played. And I think the Ravens will have other options, whether it's, um, UDFAs, draft picks, other guys that are that are um, forgotten fringe roster guys on other teams that are thought to be of low value. Um, Ozzie Newsom in his tenure and, and DaCosta as well have been the masters of finding such players and really finding value there. So uh, I think they'll find the guys they uh, uh, they want to fill five safety roster spots, even if Geno Stone leaves. All right, well, that's enough for the individual players. Let's go to some of the mailbag questions we have here because we have quite a little bit in the mailbag and some good stuff here. So let's uh, make sure we do as much of this as we can. Um, Here's the first, and this is from Imaginary Internet Guy. He was at Diet Woke Lime. He says, should the Ravens find more staffs for Ronald Darby to keep other corners like Humphrey better rested? My handle, okay, yeah, uh, so... so, uh, Basically, he's saying, um, should they rotate? They've had success doing that in the past with Humphrey, including earlier this season. Um, Obviously, the Ravens coaches feel like Humphrey is the guy they want in there for every down. I think one of the questions that has come from somebody else, is there another alternative to keep Humphrey in in there every down? And uh, that's Daniel Sampaio, who says he's at Dan XL. He says, uh, Ken, assuming Kyle is out, how would you feel about Marlon going back to slot corner? Uh, he's shown success there in the past, and outside corner seems like a deep position for the Ravens, even without him. Uh, would he be a better option? So I think there's there's a lot of value in that, Daniel. I think that the, the if you move uh, Humphrey into the slot, one thing you do is you magnify his physicality, uh, the impact of that on the game. So, you know, there are – there are times where I want him on the outside because his baseball bat like arms could be used more effectively there. But you also, in terms of his downhill play, monitoring the line of scrimmage in the way that um, uh, Hamilton has, and even rushing the quarterback is on the table for Humphrey in that case. And Humphrey, I think he had a, he had a, a time or two where he rushed the quarterback in this particular game. Let me just check the blitzes again uh, one more time. Yeah. They blitzed Stevens and Humphrey on one play where, where Humphrey had actually had a quarterback hit in this game. So it's not like they don't like to have him get after the quarterback, but you can't do it much when they're on the outside. You're, you, you've got a limited set of looks where the, um, generally speaking, the wide receivers are tighter to the formation where you can actually blitz Humphrey off the edge in, in that kind of, uh, a place with a cat blitz, the corner blitz, as they call it. Um, I, I think that um, there would be value to bringing Humphrey into the slot. And I think he could be a, a, a pass rush presence, a run presence. Um, I do question the logic in it uh, on, on this level, at least, is that I think you, you don't have a naturally, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Sudden athlete who matches well from, uh, with uh, uh, up with slot receivers who have a lot of uh, uh, juky goodness to them. And, and that's a lot of slot receivers who aren't necessarily the quickest players on the field, but they're very sudden athletes um, and, and they're difficult to cover. Um, the good thing about Humphrey is he's going to generally be very good at using zone principles. And if he can work with the linebacker that's next to him, it's generally going to be an inside linebacker to close those windows um, then, then he has a chance to be uh, uh, very helpful in, in, in that regard, very useful in that regard. So I could see it. I could see Humphrey moving back to the slot. He's When he's played there, he's been one of the best slot corners in the league. I just think he also gives you a lot of value on the outside as a boundary corner. Maybe that flexibility is exactly the thing you love and the Ravens needs at slot corner right now. They used arguably their best or second best defensive player to move Kyle Hamilton there. So is it reasonable they might move Humphrey there too within this construct of this defense and use Darby on the outside who has certifiably worked with the way McDonald has, has run the defense. I don't think it's an unreasonable solution. I just don't know if it's exactly the solution they'll go for, but reasonable question uh, for sure. 
let's see. We got Angelove85, and that's Nikki623 or 622A. Sorry about that. Um, uh, Ken, how will the defense change with Kyle missing some time? Also, with the way we started yesterday and the 2019 playoff game, will the number two seed be better, especially if week 18 is meaningless? All right, let me answer that one first. I, I think I, I think if, if one week off is good, two weeks off is still marginally better at least. Are there risks? Sure. I, 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 would you still rather play that way? I think the answer is yes. This town is snake bit with buys burning them, you know, with the Ravens and, you know, in the past and the Orioles this year. I think we've we've built up a um, resistance to it that is is probably not grounded in fact and is, in fact, grounded in a very small sample size. Um, I think that, you know, just logically, you'd, you'd rather have the time off and it's on the coaches to keep the players ready for these games and and do things maybe a little bit differently than they did it in 2019. Same guys are here. They know what went wrong in 2019 or they can figure it out in, in, in some sense. And if you need to do some things to stay sharp, well, go ahead and do those. Um, but I don't think you have to play an actual game of football um, uh, to, uh, to force that upon your players. I think you can probably... Uh, replicate some of that in practice and and uh, maybe be a little bit more physical than you otherwise would and uh, try and work on some of the drills that really emphasize timing and whatnot, which could be a little bit rustified if you take uh, uh, two weeks off. So anyway, I'm all in favor of, of getting every buy they can. And I'm also in favor of playing a meaningless week 18 game against the Steelers. And I think I could have two benefits. Number one is you might actually want to let the Steelers in the playoffs over other teams like, say, Buffalo. I want nothing to do with Buffalo. I'd love to see the Steelers again in the playoffs. And and if if losing a meaningless game to the Steelers gets the Steelers in as the seven seed and the Ravens are in as the one seed, then I am all for that, even though it means you might, you know, be careful about what you ask for. You might get the Steelers if they manage to upset the Chiefs or the Dolphins or whoever the team is in that in that uh, wild card round but uh, i think you take your chances and uh and and get the worst set of teams in the playoffs if you can i think the ravens would be well served frankly for the steelers to be in the playoffs as opposed to a team like the chiefs uh anyway the other question you asked was is how will the defense change with kyle missing i i think they will still try and stay with the same too high look and i think that that what they're um, what they're what they're basically trying to do in the trade off between run and pass defense that we've talked so much about that will stay, but I think that the um uh either the player will change, and I, I something tells me they're not they're not just going to be thoroughly happy with Arthur Mollette being the only choice there. So I think Humphrey is on the table. I think Pepe is on the table in terms of of being there, and I think that the uh, you know the Ravens are going to look at all the options at this point. Um, based on what happened uh, against the Rams and the quarterbacks they uh, they have yet to face the rest of the year. But great question. Really appreciate it. Uh, I think we have one more and another one that's very similar. Randy Morgan also. Thank you. Um, do you think they should consider moving Mar- Marlon to the slap, slot if Hamilton is out for an extended period? Um, he's the, the point he makes additionally is that um, Marlon hasn't looked great on the outside recently. I think Marlon has looked pretty good on the outside. You could maybe say he's looked a little rusty, but he's given up very little in terms of yards per target on the year still. And I think you you take your chances with Marlon on the outside or at slot. I think he will play a very high percentage of the snaps. I don't think they, they've, they, from their indication of this game, is they're not going to coddle Marlon Humphrey. So whether they play him in at slot corner or on the outside, I expect him to be in pretty much every snap the rest of the way. And that may still mean that there's a there's a chance for Darby to be in um, on the outside. So anyway, uh, really great set of questions. Appreciate that always. And as always, you can use hashtag film study mailbag to drop a question in about the offense or the defense. Uh, be happy uh, to hear them on both. And I, I want to make that a larger component of the show was considering having people on to ask their question directly. If you'd be in favor of that and you're some you're a person who asks questions regularly, hit me up with a DM or even if you're not a question who asks a person who asks questions regularly and you'd like to you'd like to do that. Um, we could probably arrange for that to happen um, and and add you into our uh, cast to discuss your question can be like a mini version of a short is your question and why you think something ought to be a certain way. Um, and by the way, hashtag film study mailbag is all for so for comments. So if you, if you say I saw a and B and C, and I think this means D and E 
I want to hear that too. I, you don't have to ask in a question form. Um, if you just got an interesting point to make about the game of football, please drop it in, in hashtag film study mailbag and I'll, uh, I'll respond and get to it on a show. All right. Outstanding. Now we have one thing to do uh, left for the remainder of the show, and that's talk about the MVPs from this game. So I'll go back and, and do that. My number three guy, Kyle Van Noy, um, outstanding game. Uh, it was actually a fairly um, tight set of plays that uh, he was involved in, but the, uh, the tackle of Williams for an eight yard loss forced a punt. And that was just one of two drive ending plays that he was part of. He had a fast pressure on the third and nine in overtime. So if you think about it, um, that third and nine in overtime, getting pressure on that, <laughs> forcing the punt that was returned by um, uh, Wallace for the game-winning score is one of the game's most important plays. Uh, and uh, really nice that that he had that. So he's, he gets my number three MVP in this game. My number two is Roquan Smith. Um, Roquan had what I would call a fairly up and down game. He's certainly in the notes a lot. And I'll let you go out and look at the article, but he's in there a lot for being blocked on successful run plays for six plus yards. So we always note those and, and how the blocks worked out anytime it's at least six yards. If you're wondering what our formula is for doing it. Um, and, and it, you know, honestly, the Rams just did a very good job of getting a helmet on him play after play. They did pretty much the same to queen. Um, and those guys both had a, had a tough time getting off their blocks um, in level two, when they when they started in uh, as level one duos and, and climbed uh, uh, into into combination blocks for the for whoever is doing that, so uh, he did some other things. He uh, uh, he got pressure in the game that did some things. He had some nice uh, uh, follow up. Oway had a missed tackle uh, in the backfield that he took down for a run for negative three away might've had him for negative four, negative five on the play. But, um, it's one of those plays where always missed tackle actually improved the chance for Smith to make the tackle. So, um, while it's technically goes in the book as a, as a missed tackle is not a bad missed tackle at all. Um, and, uh, he played a, he played a good game. Um, uh, generally speaking, although it was not without its warts. Anyway, he's, he gets my second star. It's a defense that, you know, there are a lot of players uh, who did some good things, and there's very few players who did it without warts in this game. I give you my three honorable mentions, aside from those two I just mentioned before I give you number one. Kyle Hamilton gets an honorable mention. They're just so much more effective with him in the game than without him. I've talked about that already show, so I don't need to more. Travis Jones, certainly an ascending player, um, did some good things as a pass rusher in this game. Uh, a fairly limited set of total snaps, but he's one of the players that I really expect to contribute to a deep playoff run this year, if they make one. Um, and the other guy's Brent urban who uh, asked or uh, came into an expanded role in this game because of the need for the Ravens to play this uncovered end look that allowed them to keep five defensive backs on the field and had a pressure in the game, but also did some good things in terms of dying space, which is really his, uh, uh, his uh, calling card in the NFL. So we'll see. But it looks like, right to me, Brent Urban's having a pretty damn good year. And I think he's likely to be back with the Ravens next year. Um, I, again, roster fungibility uh, is always part of it with him. It's always something he brings to the table. Uh, but in addition, he's just he's just playing good defense at this point. And uh, the Ravens can't afford to be super picky about defensive linemen. They need to bring a good cadre to camp. Uh, it's a position where you often have injuries and incredibly Knock on wood, the Ravens have gone 15 weeks without having any serious injuries on the defensive line, which has been absolutely remarkable. But uh, you know, certainly in recent years, that's not been the case. They've, they've suffered through some injuries. And moving on, my number one guy who's Justin Matabike. Honestly, pretty easy pick this week. Uh, five quarterback hits in a single game. Um, one sack extends the streak to 10 games. And uh, as we talked about, that's a, a historic streak. Um, if you missed some of the things from earlier, go out and look at my tweets and, and, uh, uh, it has a list of the other, uh, players in the, their total of 11 that have had at least half a sack in 10 consecutive games. Batabike, by the way, been very efficient in that way in terms of the fewest possible sacks, but in 10 games, he's had 10 sacks. So he's had one, one sack with one game with two sacks, two, two games with a half a sack and the other seven games, he's had one sack. Exactly. So, uh, He's in rarefied air right now, and the NFL record stands at only 12. There have been, uh, there's been only one guy who ever did that. Or maybe it's two. I think it's one guy who's ever done that, and four guys who did 11, uh, and then six guys who did 10. So he's about to move into the very upper crust if he can do another game, and if he does two more games, he'll have a share of that, uh, share of that record. 
Well, thanks again for joining me. I, I, I enjoy doing this show, uh, even solo here. I uh, always like to have somebody to talk football with, but uh, you know, to go through some of your questions in the mailbag felt like that a little bit tonight and some of my memories from um, the old bygone days of the Baltimore Colts from that first episode. I, I ask you to go back and take a listen for that if you want to hear about the pass rush, uh, what the Ravens did differently in terms of packages, a lot of my individual scheme thoughts. And some of the way the, the 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 game played out in terms of the weather and whatnot um, are in that first episode, and I hope you find that worth a listen. Uh, if you're in, in, interested in doing a film study short, hit me up. DMs are always open on Twitter, and I'll get back to you very quickly to talk about when we can um, uh, record a show and uh, and what part of uh, an idea that you might have would be would be interesting to talk about. I think and non duplicative of things we've done recently. Um, there's always a lot of overlap, by the way in any kind of podcasting about football, because the game is only so complicated. Uh, you know, we can talk about uh, different things only so long. Um, I am, am very blessed that as I see these come across on Twitter, I like to talk to a lot of the analysts coming up with really new ideas on this show. Um, but I also want to talk to Ravens fans who are passionate about our team, because that's where a lot of people really want the content. They, they don't want to hear about, you know, this new way of, of, uh, uh, you know, judging pass rushers relative to expected pass rush effectiveness on, a, on particular plays if it doesn't involve the Ravens directly. Um, and, and that's where you come in. Hit me up with your ideas and I'll get back to you and, and uh, we'll talk about that. So until next time, uh, we'll see you later and talk to you next time on Film Study. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.